It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everybody. We are just, I don't know, Michael, we are minutes, or I'm not minutes, <laughs> we are very close. We were recording this a little earlier, and our games, I think, will be putting out, well, you put, when are you putting it out, Mike? What do you mean? This podcast. Oh, we're, we're Monday. Recording, this recording the, early. Yeah, All this right. is the day of the season, I'm, the first day I'm of trying the season. To, I'm trying to type it as the timing of when you're listening to this, so you know, here we are recording this a little bit earlier than normal, but uh, no, but welcome everybody. No Shot Clock podcast number 157. As Mike said last episode, 10 years. Uh, you think we'll do 10, 10 more? Oh my odds? goodness. What are the odds of 10 more years? Somebody will make us do it on video before that. <laughs> oh, that's true. We'll probably, yeah, who knows yeah. what we'll be doing 10 years. No, we got, uh, you know, basically a season preview last week in terms of the top 25 teams, Mike's uh, Super 25. And now this week, as the games begin at Thanksgiving tournaments across the state, we're going to dive into some players. Basically, we're going to make this a our regular segment. Um, uh, just, well, not a regular segment, my regular segment. I did a three-pointer in the column, but got three points for three different categories. We're going we're gonna to pick out three players. We're going to pick out three teams and three storylines uh that uh we all have our own opinion on in terms of uh those three categories so mike that first one uh we're gonna go through basically these are three teams that mike and i are looking at outside his super 25 that we think you know again if mike if you had to guess how many teams on average pop in your top 25 i know you've probably never done the math but if you had a guess, how 40, many? I would say on average, um, I, and this year is going to be more. I so you th- so 15 in addition to the 25. Yeah, at least. Yeah, I'd say that's average. Some years I'm sure we might hit 50. Um, hmm. But this year is going to be a lot more because I think the last 15 are interchangeable with 30 yeah. teams. So, yeah, I agree. But we'll, we'll dive into this right now. Basically, these are three teams each of us have our own idea of who more or less would just in the outskirts, maybe the top 25 uh, and could definitely crack it at some point this year. Mike, why don't you? Give yeah, us I'm gonna, I'll, I'll shut it out with um, Palatine. They're a team I even considered putting in the super 25. I can't get over that MSL title game last year. And, and to me, they lost plenty Palatine from that team. Connor may is back. He was just fantastic especially the last month of the season. And Tommy Elter is back, the point guard, the, the guy who hit the game-winning shot in that um, game against Rolling Meadows. And I kind of feel like I'm doubling down on Palatine here, Joe, because uh, Connor May and Tommy Elter both play football. And I ranked Palatine in the top 10 in football. And I'm not going to say they – okay, they didn't live up to it. <laughs> I'll just We'll just say it. They didn't come through. So I'm doubling down here. This time, Palatine's going to come through for me. And either way, I'm really excited to see what they do. They just felt like there was some real spirit around that group last year, and I'm interested to see if they can bring it back. 
Yeah, Eric Millstone's done a really nice job. That 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 program is has had a nice little run here, and yeah, they did lose a lot. And the league is, uh, you know, it's really really balanced. So, but yeah, I, I mean, when you have those two pieces back, it's a good start. Speaking of football, uh, Batavia. Now they're not loaded with football players <laughs> on this basketball roster, but you know, oh, they are not. Was, I wondered that. Okay, I didn't. Know well, that. I. I you know, as far as up and down the entire roster, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, positive. But my my point is, I, I just, I, I watched this team over the course of the summer. And, and that's really what, you know, I saw them during the year uh, once or twice. And my, uh, I would not have guessed that Batavia would be in my discussion right now when I watched them last winter. But after watching them this summer, and, and a big part of that is this, is yeah, I mean it's somewhat sudden of emergence of Jack Sabalos. Uh, he's a six-seven junior who has just progressed. He got better and better over the course of the summer. He's a legitimate Division One prospect now. Uh, he's soared up my rankings. Uh, he's just a a, a different player uh, than he was even in June, probably going into this season. So that's why. I, Part of the reason why I'm so high, but they've also got a good, solid nucleus back, and it's a senior-dominated group. Uh, Nate Nazos at, at point guard, he's just a steady, you know, a, a 10.5 assist type of guy as a junior. So I, I just think that they, with their experience, they've got a nice blend of uh, of size, perimeter threats. So Batavia – you know, they'll be, they'll challenge Lake Park in that Duquesne conference, but I, I like Batavia is possibly cracking that top 25 at some point. Nice. My, I'm going to stay in the MSL, which is a little weird. Um, I've definitely been skeptical <laughs> of MSL hoops in the past, but, um, and this is, uh, this is Schomburg I'm going to go with. Uh, they're another team I saw late in the year last year that has a lot back. Um, I like them because Jordan Tunis is back. They've got a point guard. He can score and he can kind of set the whole thing up. He, he was looking very impressive at the end of last year. They've got some decent size too. Um, Zion Young, who, who got a little bit of hype and some attention when he started at Fenwick. He's a transfer. He's 6'6 or 6'7. They've got Clark Easley back, who was their leading rebounder last year. An interesting junior, Javante McCoy. Uh, and I recently heard from Jason Tucker, the Schomburg coach, he, he reached out and, you know, he used to be at Taft. He's seen kind of the upper level of high school basketball around here. And he thinks his team, he thinks it might take a, a little while. Um, they've got some illness and some other guys out for various reasons, but this is a team that I think by the end of the year is going to have some pretty high expectations and they're one to keep an eye on. They really do have all the pieces to make a nice run. And as Joe mentioned, that really balanced uh, mid suburban league. Yeah, Tunis was a uh, was really an underrated sophomore last year. He averaged thirteen or fourteen a game, and you know he's an all league pick. So that that's he's the kind of the catalyst there. Um, you know, my my second one, I, I, the one I'm going with, <clears throat> is an interesting team because last year, Mike, this team, a lot of the year, most almost all the year, started four sophomores, sometimes five sophomores. Niles North. Uh, if you really look at the track record of Glenn Olson, the coach there, I, I think he's, you know, probably one of the more underrated coaches in, in the Chicago area with what he's done with that program. And he's got a two year window here now where he can, you know, he's one big here, 20 plus wins for a decade. And this two year window now, um, coincidentally, he'll, he'll, he'll ride that out with his son. 
uh, Reed Olson, who put together a, a, a terrific sophomore season. Uh, he made a, as a sophomore, Mike, made 115 three-pointers. So while shooting 43%, he is one of the uh, young players that's that's back. You, know, you remember Yaris Irby is a you know, 15, 16-point-per-game guy. He's back. Uh, Hunter Garan, he, he's an all-conference performer last year. He had 10 and 6 as a sophomore. So you, you've got a group here that's young, has experience with all that minutes from last year on the varsity level of sophomores. So I, I like Niles North to be right back there at the 23, 24, 25 win total. And uh, as I said, they got kind of a two-year run ahead of them. I really regret I forget what happened the, the night I was supposed to go out and see them. Something happened. I don't know if it was weather. Something went down. So I did not see Niles North last year. But, boy, you could not be more correct about Glenn Olson and what he's done with that program. It's just, you know, just con- the consistent level that they've had over the last like decade now is very impressive. They'll, they'll be an interesting team to watch this season for sure. Um, my next one, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's Lindblom and I'm just going to admit it. If they were, if this was a different school with the same roster, they'd be ranked. And I think they'd have a lot more attention. I, I think people are just, they're not used to Lindblom. You know, they're a team I see every year, and, I, and I've seen kind of a slow raise in the program over the last few years, and I could easily put them in, you know, 20 to 25. They have possibly the best scorer in the city, maybe the best in the state in Deshaun Stevenson. He's a 6'4 guard. He's a D1 recruit going to Cleveland State. That alone gets you in most preseason rankings, and it doesn't end there. They've got Quentin McCoy. Um, also a great scorer. You know, they're going to need some other pieces to come through. I believe there's a transfer that they got that, that's supposed to add something. But this is a team that, yes, they're going to have to deal with the Red South Central, and they're in some bigger shootouts and stuff. The schedule is tougher. But they've got a D1 star scoring guard, which is something, what, 10 teams tops, maybe fewer have in the whole state. So so Lindblom, the expectations are high. I'm sure they wanted to be in the preseason rankings, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can get in there and if they can stick. And then my, my last one is in the West suburban silver. Uh, we got York. York is a team that I thought was pretty competitive last year against, you know, a conference in a conference slate that was loaded, you know, with Hinsdale central and, and Donald's Grove North and uh, LT and, you know, York competed. They, they were, you know, under 500, but uh, I, I just think I love teams that are, kind of built for a year. And I think, I think York is built for this year with the group they have back, you know, I have four seniors who really played a ton of minutes, started a lot of games and, you know, and produced at a certain rate. No, no one bigger than AJ Levine. who He's a, you know, a six, one guard. I've written about, I've talked a lot about, I think he's one of the more unheralded players, you know, in, in that senior class. He just recently picked up an offer from Penn. He's a, Bonafide scholarship player who doesn't have enough scholarships, but he can score in a variety of ways. Uh, he sets the table while making, he's a shot maker. He's going to have a huge year, Mike, as a senior. But, you know, those four seniors, Kyle Waltz is a is a junior or, or was a junior last year who kind of caught my eye and then really had a nice summer. Uh, you know, he was about nine, 10 points a game as a junior. You got their inside, a little bit of a, inside presence and a guy who plays bigger than the size and Braden Richardson. He was probably eight or nine a game last year. Another senior, Brendan Mullis on the wing. You know, I, I just, 
I love veteran groups that are played together. Uh, you know, Donner's Grove North is clearly the favorite in that league. And I don't know if York's going to be able to, to jump up and, and, and get them, but they're going to put themselves in a position if they play the way I think they will over the course of the year, they're going to put themselves in a position in a, in a sectional, you know, to, to put them in a seed where, you know what, a regional championship is in the cards and coming off, you know, the type of season under 500 a year ago, that's a nice jump for them. So I, I, I think a big season ahead for York. All right. Uh, th- we're now we're going to go into three under the radar players. Um, I guess trying to establish themselves. Some of these guys did some stuff last year. Um, some may be completely unknown names to you. Maybe some other guys that might jump up a level. I'm going to start it out here with a player I'm really excited about. Uh, Devon Grant. He is a 6'5 sophomore at DeKalb. I, I was kind of low-key blown away by how good he was when I went to see him out at a some weeknight in Equa Valley late last season. He has just got that high school basketball big thing down. And as a freshman, that's really, really rare to see. Um, he put up nice numbers scoring and on the boards last year. And he's got that kind of, t- he doesn't have a Tim Flowers build, but he has that Tim Flowers post ability. He had it already as a freshman. I'm excited to see what he can do this season and kind of what level of a player he'll become. But he's already just a, a really rock solid almost slightly dominant high school big at such a young age. Um, don't know if he's grown, you know, I didn't see him over the summer or anything, but he's definitely going to give Nequa Valley or sorry, DeKalb something very few teams have in the whole area, which is a reliable post score. Is he a real good football prospect too? I, I don't know. Or, yeah. They had a horrible year, so I don't know much about them. They've been uh, good maybe lately. I'm maybe I'm off my rocker I, for some reason, <laughs> but no, I, that's a really nice combo with him and Sean Reynolds and DeKalb yeah. this year. Um, you know, my, it's hard. Well, I should ask you, is it hard to, I think it's hard to get completely lost in the public league if you're in the right division, but somehow I think, um, DJ Bolden at Westinghouse did last year to a degree. Uh, he put up huge numbers for Westinghouse and they've got a nice group back, really good backcourt. He's a scorer. He can break defenders down. He loves getting the rim and uh, he's got his pull-up game off the dribble that I like. So I, I, I've i seen a little less of him than some other players in the class, yet you, you, everything you've seen, it's like, okay, this guy, he's an exciting talent. And Westinghouse is kind of low-key right now uh, overall, but I think DJ Bolden is you know, he's a 20-plus point scorer. That's the type of dynamic scoring ability he has, and he, he's going to put together a great year. One of the problems with uh, Westinghouse is you can't get a tweet out of there to save your life. So if you're at a game, <laughs> it's like, like I, like a lot of games, you know, I'll say things and this and that. I'm sure other people would too, but that place is just a rock concrete thing. You can't, there's no phone service. There's no nothing. So when you go to a Westinghouse phone uh, home game, you're only going to hear about it after somebody leaves. <laughs> so that's that. Plus the fact that they seem to always have to play like the first or second game at every shootout. Um, you know, before everybody else is there, <laughs> isn't, early early morning specials. Yeah, it isn't very conducive. That, that's it's unfortunate for them, but it's a good point, Joe. Um, then my next, I normally don't do this, but I'm gonna go with this for my second player. It's somebody I haven't seen play. Um, AJ Abrams from Eisenhower. I think he deserves some attention. 
um, his numbers last year, 21 points and eight rebounds a game. He was the South Suburban Red Player of the Year, you know, was just a junior. And to kind of show what a great athlete he is, from what I understand, he had never played football. And he went out this year and put up massive numbers. It was all conference. I think he made all state as a wide receiver. Um, it just had a fantastic year. So now we've got to come back in. Hopefully he'll be able to adjust quickly because Eisenhower definitely needs him but I'm excited to get out and get a look at him this year and you know there aren't too many guys in our world that are averaging more than 20 points a game as a junior so for AJ Abrams to come back now and have a senior year ready to go I think he's a guy we need to pay a little bit more attention to yeah he uh, you know Eisenhower was mentioned as one of the most improved teams in one of my stories and uh, you know I've got a senior list coming out of just kind of underrated under the under the radar uh, seniors and he's on that list as well as my next name and you know, this is one that didn't put up huge numbers as a junior, uh, but it's this this improvement that you see. Will Ashford, uh, a six six six, you know, you could a two guard, three man wing uh, at Matia Valley. Uh, that DuPage Valley Conference is going to be wide, or, you know, very competitive, and Matia is right there. But he he is, um, I don't know if Mike, if you've seen him at all, but uh, he's just this. He's as multifaceted as it gets. <laughs> he'll post yeah. you up. He'll he'll stick a three. Uh, he's he's kind of improved as an athlete. He's become more explosive off the floor, off the bounce with a dribble. He's he'll get a rebound and lead a break. So there's a ton that he does. And I just you know he put up twelve point six rebounds a year last year as a junior. Very good, very solid numbers. But I just anticipate those uh, both significantly improving and him showcasing himself as as also a potential scholarship player and that's the kind of upside that he possesses yeah i went out it was some weird saturday afternoon game like the second to last weekend of the season and i went out and saw mateo valley conant and i had no idea how handy that would come in <laughs> for this year yeah because um, a lot of those kids you know and i normally would have missed him and wouldn't have had a clue much about either teams so that was a useful i think i complained on twitter about the crowd because <laughs> there was like nobody there me and Jack Gleason were sitting there but uh yeah I did get to see them I, yeah Matea Vale I think was on one of your lists they're going to be an interesting group um overall mm -hmm. uh my third guy um a player I really enjoyed um covering last year AJ Demarov Crystal Lake South he's a he's a guard he's not real big I think he's you know 5'11 maybe six foot if, if you want to stretch it but Boy, as a sophomore, he had that thing. He had that senior guard thing. You know, he hit the game-winning shot in the game I was at. Uh, they might have been free throws, but it was more than that, 21, 22 points. He just wanted it at the end. He was already the leader of that team. Um, and, and he's got an interesting group around him that I think might help. They've got a lot of size, a weird amount of size. They had it last year and even more this season. But I think A.J. Demarov is a kid that – you know, we're never going to hear a ton about somebody in the Fox Valley unless it's Conrad Crutwig, but you know, he'll be around there. He's going to be showing up in the notebooks. He's a winner. He's the type of kid that you win high school basketball games with. And I'm very interested to see him as an upperclassman. Yeah. Big fan of his. He uh, had a really nice, obviously the year you talked about, but also it's, you know, I did my top 80 and I specifically included them because of him. So he's in there. I, I went with a young, a young player as my third player and, specifically because he's ultra talented. He's a really good looking young prospect, but probably doesn't get the name recognition just yet in that class of 2026 that, you know, Gabe Solarski at Bennett and Stephen Brown at Marist and Rajon Roberts and Jameson Coulter. Those guys have all been 
you know, pretty hyped up here. Uh, if not all the last year's freshmen, definitely in the last uh, over the course of the summer, this player is right there in the in the mix with them. His name's Lincoln Williams out of Kankakee. Yeah, I I think his upside is phenomenal. Uh, he he's a six five six, probably pushing six six. Kind of a jack of all trades guard right now with that kind of size and length. And as a freshman, you know, his numbers were modest, but you have to keep in mind he, you know, he dealt with a, a an ankle injury. He had an illness. He missed weeks of here or there. So he missed a lot of time. He came on strong towards the end of the season. You know, he's right around seven or eight points a game. And he's a stat sheet guy. You know, he's got that length. He'll block a shot. He'll get a rebound. He, he'll find people uh, with, with his vision. And I just think he's, He's ready to explode, Mike, on the scene uh, for a good Kankakee team uh, that that has some seniors to lean on. But it's going to be exciting to see the progress he makes over the course of this year because I think he's, without question, he's one of the top ten prospects in the class, and he's pushing top five prospects in that class. Just doesn't have the name recognition as a lot of others. What a year in the Southland! You know, Kankakee. We got. Thornton resurgent, you know, Bloom's got a solid team. That's going to be a, a fun league this year. Um, yes, I, yes. I, I really regret I did not get to see Lincoln Williams. I wanted to. I went out to a game last year, and that was one of the ones he missed. But, yeah, Chris Pickett was high on him from the start. That's why I, I kind of went out there and wanted to get a look. But that that's exciting. Um, and this is the last year of the Southland, at least in its current form. So I guess it'll be fun. Football's once again wreaking havoc on our conferences. But uh, let's move it on. Here's some storylines here. Yeah. Um, mine, I don't know if this is going to be controversial, and I don't know if Joe agrees, <laughs> but my first storyline I think is kind of a humdinger. It is, I was doing the 20 questions I always do, you know, for the upcoming season, and I always hit that one. It's what's the best conference in the area. And I always look, you know, I do my due diligence and make sure, and then it always winds up being the Red South Central. <laughs> And, you know, it's close and this and that. Well, guess what, everybody? It's over. The run is done. Uh, Catholic League Blue is taken over. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, I mean, when you look at it, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, the Red South Central's got Kenwood, Curie, and Simeon. Okay? Solid top. They're all top 10 teams. Solid top three, no doubt. Lynn Bloom's going to be good. Probably get ranked at some point. Same with Hyde Park. Phillips is going to be interesting. So you got six teams there to look at, but that doesn't compete. You got Mount Carmel, Ignatius, Brother Rice, DePaul, De La Salle. That's they're all in the top 16, all five of them. You got Loyola right there on the outskirts. I mean, if St. Rita hadn't completely fallen apart, there wouldn't be a single, you know, not crazy hard night in that league. I mean, to me, it, it's a no brainer. I think the Catholic league blue, has taken over at least for this season as the preeminent conference. And it says even more because remember we're in the super conference era, you know, the red South used to be able to pull it off before super conferences um, and the Catholic league blue has taken it. So that's my storyline. Does this, is this true? Is this going to, is it going to last? Is that going to be the, are we going to think this in February or will the South central have asserted its dominance again? And who knows, but that's what I'm going to be watching. And I think it's pretty interesting. I would agree with you. I, I I think it's kind of no brainer. And I you, you mentioned what if yeah. St. Rita was <laughs> oh, still yeah. stacked and loaded. I mean, I'd, 
Yeah, man. Um, mine is a controversial topic, but I'm not going to make it controversial. Trans- oh. And it's just because of this, Mike. Yes, there's always transfers. We've talked about transfers, 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 years and years and years and years. We have never seen this much movement. We have never seen so many highly ranked teams. I mean, at the top of the rankings that are just loaded with completely new rosters. I've watched college basketball last year since the portal wreaked havoc. And then this beginning of this year, and there's a lot of garbage being played because I think teams put together, it's not across the board like this, but it is hard to put guys together. And it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these teams throughout the Chicago area, and including the ones that are ranked high, you know, we've, you know, let's face it, Thornton and home at Flossmore are completely new teams, all new players. I I don't know. Do they, does it, does it mesh? Does it come to, is there continuity? Um, you know, Simeon's got, you know, we, we've seen them in the past with transfers, but I, I'm just, I just am interested to see how all of these teams that are impacted by transfers, whether it be the teams that are fully stocked and loaded with three, four, five transfers, or even ones that bring in a big name or a big key player and they're starting at five and how they gel and uh, come together as teams. Because I, I think it'll be interesting to follow over the course of the year. And, yeah. and if one of them fails, if somebody fails, Mike, miserably, is it, are we saying in January, eh, I guess it just didn't work. Uh, <laughs> you bring all those guys together. I, or – did this guy come in and you're not going to hear this publicly Did this guy come in and ruin it for everybody else. So there's a lot to be said about uh, the responsibilities and the job a coach has to do today with as many transfers. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying. Sometimes I think we get accused of pumping up transfers and highlighting transfer. It's just, are we just supposed to ignore them? Are we supposed to ignore the players and, and the movement, no. I mean, you, you have to discuss it. You have to talk about it. It's what the game and the sport has become, whether you like it or not. And uh, But we'll see if if what transpires over the course of the next four months. I mean, I would say odds are totally against them. I mean, we don't have – do we have any examples of a team winning, especially 4A, that assembled itself in one year or even two, to be frank? I mean, the, the formula seems to be you have an established high-level team and you add that one guy. That's what Moline did last year with Freeman. That's what Glenbard West did the year before with Durkin. Belleville um, West, Belleville yeah. West, Belleville yeah. Altoff. Yeah, th- that's what uh, you do. That works. We know that works. We've seen it work. A whole new team. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I ranked Thornton too. I got HF3. I think you have, might have reversed, right? Yep. So, I mean, obviously we think they're going to be good. But yeah, I, I don't think you can pull that off. <laughs> yeah, um, on paper, that's what they, they, they look like. They look like the two and three teams so but no, that, we'll that's going to be a very very interesting storyline to watch no doubt about it so does i guess does anybody meet our the criteria of you add that one guy to uh uh oh i see what you're saying you know um what i mean from the last few you know, who would who would that I'm be sc- i'm scrolling <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean um, mount carmel added a key piece in uremovich um that's really, I mean, yeah. Curie, Curie, Ada Will Gonzalez, and yeah, we don't at least. Well, oh, you know what? It, well, it's Metamora. 
Um, oh yeah, there there you go. There's a the perfect that, example. Yeah, that's who did it. A, For, a, a really a really good team this year. That uh, hey, Loyola Academy finally got a transfer. Uh, Nick Patton. Hey hey. <laughs> it, it was enough to put them in my top twenty-five. So nice. Well, there you uh, go. That'll help. Juliet, you're your Juliet West. Big yeah. addition, Zion Gross. Problem is when you lose more than you get. <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah. Not well, ideal. Bolingbrook one that added one player, JT Pettigrew. It's just crazy to go through all this list and just. Yeah. Like one you know, after another. You know what would have been the perfect team for this formula? Downers Grove North. Oh, just that one key piece. Yeah. They added one big key piece. They could have totally done a Moline. Glenn come on, Jim, <laughs> Jim Thomas. Come on, get out, get Not out. Beating the pavement out there for his recruits. <laughs> oh boy, uh, sorry. <laughs> somebody's gonna be mad that we're just talking about the in a jovial way of transfers. Yeah, well, those guys just sitting there talking. Anyway, all right. So, um, um, my next one here, uh, the Dipper Resurgence. Uh, you know, I love to moan about holiday tournaments and this and that. And we were at a really low point a year or two ago when they're like, I feel like this is a reoccurring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because because it's been slow. Yeah, it, you're totally right. It has been <laughs> step by step because, you know, that's kind of the way it goes. You got to build. But when you look at it, this is the 50th anniversary now of the Dipper. Lou Adams has got all kinds of stuff going on at Rich. We got all Thanksgiving things, this and that. But if you look at the the group now, I'll go through it. You got Bishop Noel from Indiana. Obviously, that's nobody's ideal fit, whatever. Um, Boo, don't like yeah, it. All right, yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Then you got Bremen and Crane. We'll see how that goes. Crete Moni. But after that, here we go. Eisenhower, A.J. Abrams, Evergreen Park. Really interesting team that could have been in our sleeper thing. Hillcrest, mm-hmm. Powerhouse, HF, Powerhouse, Hyde Park. They got Burrell. Could be a powerhouse. Rich looks really good. Thornton could be the best team. TF South, always an interesting group. Thornridge, up and down. Thornwood is going to be better than people think, probably. Tinley Park, and then Westinghouse, who Joe talked about. So you've got a, a lot of teams there with players that people are going to want to see, and it's it's another step. Yes, it's not everything greatness, but this is as good as some of the last good years. Of oh, Mike, it's fantastic. The Right. I think right. I think you're underselling it. Okay. I, I'm I'm high on it. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, it's it's the it's the best that's been. I'd have to go back and look how many years it's been. But adding HF now they you know when they add, I don't know when the date is they added them. I'm sure it was last spring or winter or they didn't really know what they were getting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know it. it no, we, we both like the Dipper. It's been dead for years. Uh, it's good to see it back. Um, my next storyline is one, Mike. I don't even think, Mike, not that you don't get into this, but for whatever reason, I, I, I still dig some conference races. Mike, I, you, you'd still obviously follow and they're important, but. Not a big deal. I, I, yeah, right. Um, I still like them because I think it, there's still some rivalries that are intertwined and mixed like that. You, you brought it in the midst of urban. Like, I think that was really cool. That championship game's really fun. And that upset last year, Palatine beating Rolling Meadows, stuff like that. But my point is, I, I can't remember, Mike, as I was going through it, as many conference races that are going to be so, so competitive with so many different teams. You, you mentioned the, the 
just the grind that the Catholic League, what that's become, what that's going to be. Uh, but I look through these leagues. North Suburban Conference is one example. Just I mean, there's four or five teams that I think all think they have a maybe a crack or a shot at it. You know, Stevenson's kind of come back to the pack a little bit uh, overall. You know, the DuPage Valley with Matia Valley. Uh, well, Bonsi Valley is kind of an upstart team right now. Naperville North, maybe the favorite. You know, Nequa Valley is still going to be very good. DeKalb, uh, we just talked about. And that, that's going to be a great, fun league. The Mid-Suburban League West, I mean, Conant, Fremd, Schaumburg, Barrington, Palatine. Come on. And that's five teams. That I, I, you know, the old garbage that coaches always say, oh, it's tough to win a any given night. Anybody, it's true there. Uh, the Southland, you mentioned, the depth there. Um, you know, the Duquesne Conference. Yes, Lake Park's favorite probably, but Batavia I just talked about. You can never discount Wheaton Warrenville South. It, I, I just think these leagues, you know, last year we saw it with the West Suburban Silver with LT and Hinsdale Central and Donner's Grove North and kind of beating up each other in a fun way. Uh, I just see more of the same, but just expanded across the Chicago area with so many great conference races and uh, deep and just the depth and all of those. Yeah. My problem is what you hit at in the beginning. They just, there aren't any, there's what 90% of the conferences change every year, every two years or disappear. Or yeah. But I mean, Mike, the, but yeah, but the one that's urban league's they, awesome. Yes. But the well, rest I mean, of them, the, the, those yeah. two page Valley schools are all familiar with each other. They've been playing, but that's going them. away. I mean, well, I, well, it's not this winter. Are they disbanding? <laughs> yeah, this they winter? are for football and it'll, well, so it'll, yeah. True. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's going away. Uh, but you know, not for basketball. I should. We shouldn't say yeah, but it'll follow. I mean, those North suburban schools, the Liberty Hills and Stevensons, they've been in the war. They've been fighting each other for. I mean, it's for a while. Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. it would be much if we could rewind to the old conferences. Yes, it would be more. It would be exciting to me. But this every few years, I've Mike. Mike wants to go back to sick of East. <laughs> oh, do I ever? Yeah, bring it on. Um. Boy, yeah, we need to and we need to figure that out because it's getting more ridiculous. But anyway, um, my storyline, this one, I don't know. I guess I looked at it. It's not really a storyline. It's just a complaint. <laughs> Sorry, um, but positive overall. But uh, bigs, um, there are none. Um, if you look at whatever, there's just very few bigs. And I, as I was typing that in, I was realizing that I spent a lot of last season complaining that all I did every night was drive somewhere for an hour and then sit there and watch people miss three pointers. Um, and I realized that that was when that we had a fair amount of decent bigs around. That, oh my goodness. I'm going to spend a lot of time watching people miss three pointers this season. I, I know that's the way basketball has gone and this and that, but it's tough on the high school watch um, because it's rough. And I'm worried that this season is just going to be more of that uh, with, with the lack of bigs we have. How about, I don't, and I, I I have my rankings pulled up in twenty class twenty five class 20, 20, eh, 26. so the two younger classes yeah uh there's not one guy listed oh boy yeah in the top twenty five in either class as a five man uh-huh. so oh I think there there's one there's one um and he's a completely developing big Colin Stack at Bennett Academy oh yeah who's a ways away but anyway i yeah you're right there, there, there's not um my last one is a little bit of a gripe too not great just <laughs> right. no it's not gripe it, it, it's 
the class of 2025, this, the evaluator comes out right now. I, you know, if anybody listens or knows, I have a recruiting service for college coaches. So it's, it's part of the gig, you know, and the class of 2025, while I've been kind of excited about some of the added depth, I think there's more depth that's arrived. I mentioned like a kid like Jackson Allison from, from Batavia has kind of come out of nowhere. So those types of players have developed. They are, but at the top, the, my thing has always been, again, it's not 100% certainty. It's not across the board, but more or less the biggest strides, the most significant jumps I see in prospects as players comes between their sophomore and junior year. It's just, they kind of, usually they're getting their feet wet, seasoned varsity level. Then they take that next step. They got that comfort level and confidence as a junior and they explode. That's what I'm waiting to see if that happens with this class or who it's going to be. You know, Jeremiah Fears to me is already established. Number one, bona fide, no doubt about it. Nobody was going to take it away from him. Be the top ranked prospect in the class. Poof, he's gone. He left. Now it is up in the air. You know, you you can argue. Now Bryce Hurd, we haven't seen him play a whole lot since he since he left. And um, but Bryce Hurd at HF and Alex Alston and Phoenix Gill Ignatius and you know. Uh, the kid I love that a lot of people don't know much about. I love Dietrich Richardson, uh, Donna Peoria, Peoria Emanuel. Uh, I'm extremely high on him. I think EJ Mosley is undervalued, underrated right now in that class by a lot of people. Uh, he's transferred. He's moved on to Romeoville. So there are a lot of players in this class that I'm just waiting to kind of take, whether it be in that top 10 and become bona fide high majors, or even more of that depth developing where, oh, wow, we got even more Division One guys than I anticipated. Spotlight for me is on that class of 2025, and that's the storyline I'll see materialize over the course of, you know, this season. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And it, it, it influenced my – Jonah, we used to do it on the show, but we don't anymore. Our all preseason All-State teams because it annoyed us. Um, but I still do it for the newspaper, and I'll run through it quick because it's a little weird. Um Morez Johnson, obviously, Jack Stanton, Angelo Ceravino. Those seem no-brainers, right? Uh, I agree. Those three. Then I went with Phoenix Gill and Lathan Somerville. Uh, I think Phoenix Gill will surprise a lot of people, but I was productive high school players in that junior class. He's the number one. Yeah, I mean, he, we haven't seen the others do it yet, so I couldn't do it, you know? But even, but even that, his numbers are very modest coming back. You know what I mean? It's not like Yeah, he, but he did it at state, big one. Yeah, so that's what right. put me over. But I think it was surprising to me too. But, but I'm looking I, at the I, list of juniors, and like you said, who I just I there? just typically yeah. assume a junior has put up, oh wow, they yeah. went bonkers as sophomores, you know. But yeah, you're right. Um, uh, there weren't a lot of players in that class that had huge you went up and down that list of 2025. Yeah, no. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't yeah. know what to do. That's why it was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're running out of time here. But thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we will be back next week with some basketball under our belt.